Hello, and welcome to Women with Books. I'm your host, author Lindsay Emery. All right, it's May. Can you feel the royal love in the air? Over the next few weeks, I'll be continuing the series that I started with Alyssa Cole. Was that in February? That's right, I've got more royal romance authors over the next few weeks because, well, you may have heard there's a little wedding that's happening in the United Kingdom at Windsor Castle, like May 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, something around there. I know. You you don't even know who I'm talking about, right? <laughs> right. Um, yes, of course, I'm talking about Harry and Meghan, the dashing ginger prince, and the beautiful, accomplished American actress, and they are exciting all of us who write royal stories. So we're going to share that with you because I know tons of people want to read and talk about this stuff too. So up this week is Geneva Lee, whose royal series is fantastically popular here in the U.S. and in Europe. Now, when Geneva and I recorded this conversation, her bookstore, oh, sorry, that's my dog, (laughs) Her bookstore, Away With Words, was not yet open, but I can report that it is open now. I follow them on all the social medias, and it's delightful to feel like I am visiting a bookstore every day. Um, It looks fabulous, and I put a link in the show notes so you can check that store out. I have put Polsbo on my bucket list, so look out Geneva. I will be coming your way with my books to sign in the next two, three years or so. Okay, yeah, put them on the calendar. Um, Hey you, you, the listener, are you signed up for the Women With Books newsletter? I brag a lot about this newsletter and all the helpful extra content that I give out, but there's one thing I haven't done yet that I'm going to announce in the May issue. I usually send it out the last week or last day of the month. Um, Thanks to a very awesome publicist, I decided I'm going to do an exclusive giveaway for Women With Books subscribers. Like a pile, small pile, but a pile of books featuring one of my guests this month is going to travel to a lucky listener. I won't say who yet because I have these weird podcast superstitions. Don't get me started. Um, But sign up at the link in the show notes for the subscriber and you'll find out all about that giveaway. Um, So surprise giveaway just for Women With Books newsletter subscribers. Now on to Geneva Lee. Welcome to Geneva Lee, uh, who is the most patient, accommodating, nicest author I've ever had on this podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I'm usually not very patient. My husband would be very surprised (laughs) to hear me described that way. Well, you are because this is like the fifth time we've tried this, and um, I really appreciate it because we've been talking a lot not being recorded, and you have so many good things that I want my audience to hear about. So thank you again. Uh, your intro, 
as uh, you are New York Times and internationally best-selling author of 15 books, including seven books in the Royal Saga. Well, the saga starts off with a British prince and a American woman and their relationship. And um, I just want to know, like, how mad are you that Prince Harry is stealing all your good ideas? <laughs> um, you know, I was actually in Germany on book tour when the story broke that he was dating this American actress. And so it was all over the tabloids over there. And I was taking pictures of it and sending it out back home and putting it on Facebook and things like that and laughing about it because, you know, Harry has just been kind of the wild child. So I didn't really expect this relationship to go to the distance. But now I keep saying, you know, well, he got the idea for me, <laughs> like hashtag Geneva Lee copyright. Um, so <laughs> actually, it's been a lot of fun. And it certainly has everybody, all of my readers in a, in a tizzy and opened up, I think, even more smaller territories going, wait, there's a book about a prince marrying an American woman <laughs> already on the market. Let's publish that. So that's been fantastic. I can't complain. If every single time I wrote a book series, a famous person wanted to do exactly what was in it, that would be, that would be okay with me. <laughs> it's good for business. Oh, I love that. I could help you plot some of those out if you have the power. <laughs> what else do we want people, you know, <laughs> I won't go there. It's going to get political really fast. <laughs> we can do that off the air. Um, yeah, I bet all your readers are going to be picking up and rereading and recommending the series to their friends as royal wedding hysteria uh, picks up. Are you going to be traveling there to uh, see this in person? Oh, no, no, no. Um no way. I'm not, I'm not a crowd person. So I think the idea of being in that crowd, uh, would be, would be terrible, but there's, a, there's a whole bit in the third book of the Royals where she's seeing all the ridiculous things that they're making into memorabilia and paraphernalia, uh, for her wedding. And I think that I would love to see how many of those things actually get made <laughs> for this wedding. So I'm going to be keeping a really close eye on that, but I'll be watching from across the pond for sure. You're an Anglophile and you like tea, don't you? Isn't that what you were telling me? Oh, I love tea. Um, we're actually going to be stocking it at our bookstore that we're opening in a few weeks, months, Never. Um, <laughs> it just depends. Uh, and we've been having a really good time trying to come up with um, names for all of the teas. Uh, oh, it was really easy to just like right off the bat be like 50 shades of Earl Grey. And now we can't come up with anything half so clever for everything else. So <laughs> we've just been sitting around being like, what shall we call the green tea? What shall we call the? So we'll see. Oh, that's funny. Are you doing like pun names or these custom teas? We want to do plays off literature. So um, we uh, will have in the bookstore tea and bath bombs. It's a very like female friendly celebration of women and reading uh, bookstore. And so the bath bombs are all going to be genres. So mystery, romance, thriller, fantasy. 
and that's what there'll be different colors we've been choosing which ones we think represent what genre the most but then the teas the idea was for them to all be named after literature but we've been having kind of a lot of tricks getting things that are clever enough so we'll see i am so excited i want to come visit immediately this is going to be up uh in washington because i know lots of people are dying to know right now um it is in downtown Palsbo, which is about an hour outside Seattle. But you have to take a ferry if you're coming from Seattle. Um, it's kind of a really cute little day trip destination. Uh, I found it with my husband a few years back. We, we decided we were going to move up here. and We just drove around looking for the perfect small town, and we landed in Palsbo. So now we're really putting down roots. Does it rain? Oh my God, it rains all the time. It's raining right now. But it's more like a, (laughs) um, you know, it does start to get a little oppressive. I've been telling my husband that I'm kind of ready to jump on a plane somewhere sunny, which is pretty frequent for me where I just say, that's it, I'm going to California. Um, But it's more like a vegetable Mr. Rain, you know, like when the misters come on at the grocery store. So it's not too bad. It's not torrential downpours all the time, but it does get a little oppressive and gloomy. Now, I want to talk about your books, too, but I have to I have to learn more about this bookstore. So are you going to focus? You said it was going to be for women. Is it going to focus on genres about women or romance? Um, well, that's the big kind of debate right now. We got a little sidelined with discovering asbestos um, underneath the carpet and the tiles. So we've been just dealing with that and debating that. So we've been discussing exactly how we're going to play this out. Um, it will be probably a much bigger romance selection than you might see if you just walked into your average bookstore. Um, I know that when I go into a lot of indie bookstores, uh, not all of them, but a lot, there's maybe a shelf of romance. And so this will be, you know, full displays of romance and um, also thrillers, mysteries, cozies, the kind of things that people really, really love reading and mass market paperbacks and trade paperbacks. And we're going to primarily focus on paperbacks. Our idea being that you can come in and buy a book and maybe a bath bomb and maybe some tea and for like $25 have a really great night to yourself and an escape from all the stresses of your daily life. So it's going to be about the kind of books that people really want to read, not the books they're told they should read and no snobbery (laughs) allowed. Now, do you get your own shelf of Geneva Lee recommendations? Oh, yes. That's already been established um, as it being a thing. So it'll be very interesting to see. We're in the middle of some negotiations for rights to my books. And I'm like, okay, guys, I need to open a bookstore. So anytime you want to figure all this out so I can order my own books. Um But yeah, we'll have a big display of those. And my sister, I think, has talked me into coming in a couple times a week and writing at a desk in the back. And I say writing in parentheses because I don't really think that 
I'll be able to get much done because she wants to have a little sign that says the author is in. I'm like, oh, that will literally just be people coming in and doing um, other writers who are listening to this will totally understand. The second you mention you're an author or a writer, people are like, oh, I have a great story or, oh, you should write about me <laughs> or how do I get published or, you know, just that constant barrage of questions. You just want to be like, Google. That's how I did it. <laughs> I Googled <laughs> until I knew what to do. So um, we'll see how that ends up working out. But I figure it'll be kind of fun too. Although I might feel a little bit like a zoo animal. The author in her natural habitat. <laughs> Well, you could maybe put a, instead of a suggestion box, put book suggestion or story suggestion box. And so if people (laughs) have a story suggestion they want to put in there, you guys could put, and then you maybe have like a a rotating um, thing on a bulletin board. Like here, pick a story if you want to (laughs) write. Here's book suggestions that I'm not going to use. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that would be really good. Um, yeah, my neighbor came over uh, a month or so ago and he's like, I've got a book idea. I'm going to let you have it for free. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't pay people for those. And I wouldn't, you know, I have my own, but sure, let me hear it. And he told me and it was fine. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it was like a book for a 10 year old boy which would be about right but not not your wheelhouse right (laughs) that's the other thing everyone wants their memoir written and I'm like a memoir is like you write it okay (gasps) so go forth and good luck um I certainly I think I've been pitched so I can't I probably pitched about 25 different memoirs it just in the last, you know, two or three years. So we'll see. I'll, I'll put on, I'll put on headphones. That tends to make most people go, oh, she's actually doing something. Um, but I figure that about half the time when I go in there to do this little, the author's in, I'll just work on social media, returning <laughs> emails. What do you listen to when you're writing or working on social media? It totally depends. Um, I switch around things for my mood. So I have different uh, playlists that I use depending on what I'm writing. And once a book starts to kind of get going in my head, I can create a more defined playlist for it, which is great because the more I listen to the same songs over and over again, um, the more it clicks with me like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this right now. Like I have a gym playlist. And if I am out in public and I hear a song that's on my gym playlist, I have the desire to go exercise. Um, So, (laughs) you know, it's a little bit harder with writing because I tend to be working on more than one project at the same time to kind of jump into that headspace. So every little bit helps. So I listen to some pop music. There's one book series where I listen to classical music. Um, I'm really into lyrics in terms of how they make me feel. Uh, I have a whole list for when I'm writing young adult, which isn't very often anymore, but it's very angsty and it reminds me of how 
angsty I felt when I was a teenager and then I can just tap into teenage Jen right away and that's really useful. I was just having this conversation literally with another author friend this morning because we are she and I were talking about how we love lyrics and we'll listen to the same song like 30 times. Yesterday it was Pink's Beautiful Trauma and I just listened mm -hmm. to it over and over and over again because the lyrics are so great and it puts me in someone's head and it really kind of gets inside your blood and you want to write out whatever that is it's but lots of authors don't do that though lots of authors need white noise or coffee shop noise uh, you know it's funny because when I wrote my first book um way back in the day I didn't have there through a mishap I didn't have a home computer so I was going to the library and taking a flash drive and writing and so I think we were so broke at the time I couldn't have even afforded to go buy headphones so I didn't listen to any music while I was writing that story and then I started listening to music more with the sequel to that book how did you get started with writing so my very first book series was actually published under my other pen name Jennifer Albin and it's YA and um I had been kind of dicking around with writing books for probably eight years at that point, just kind of writing a few pages and then abandoning it. Um, and about six weeks after my daughter was born, my mother-in-law called me out of the blue and said, I demand that you write a book. And I'm like, have you lost your mind? I have a six week old baby here. Yeah, I'll just jump right on that. But uh, I guess she knew me really well because it, it totally worked. And I started thinking about writing a book. And, you know, there was this part of me that was like, well, you could never do it. You'll never make any money. But at that point, I was a stay-at-home mom. We were completely broke. I had actually been trying to get a job. It was during the recession, uh, right after it hit, and there were no jobs. I'd been trying to get a job for a long time. And then we had another baby. And... I thought, you know what? I really don't have anything to lose. It's not like I'm giving up a lucrative career. It's not like I'm, you know, the, it was something to do for myself outside of having two small children to take care of all day. And uh, my husband was super, super supportive of it. So I played around for an entire summer and then I had what I thought was a really good idea. Destroyed my computer uh, while breastfeeding, <laughs> I was breastfeeding and the toddler was climbing on me and a glass of water just went all over it. We had no money for a new one. And so I kind of put everything on the back burner. And then I heard about National Novel Writing Month. And so I decided to sign up for that. And I told my husband I wanted to do that. And he is very, very supportive. I don't think I would be a published author without him because he was working probably at that point 60 hours a week um, managing a Starbucks and he would come home and he'd take the baby out of my arms and he'd say go and because we knew that we had about an hour and a half to two hours before she'd be fussing and wanting to nurse and she wouldn't take a bottle so I would drive up to the local library and hope there was a computer and I'd sit and I'd write for as long as I could and I wrote a really terrible disjointed first draft of a novel during that November and 
I remember when I crossed the finish line on November 30th and I got my certificate, I printed it off and I cried a little and I came home and I put it on the fridge and it was nothing near a real book. But there is something magical about getting that many words down and having that huge of a chunk of a story. So um, after that, it just became kind of the norm for us. Uh, He would come home and send me out and there'd be days when I could tell he had a rough day and I'd try to stay home and he'd say, Hey, Nope, you go, you need to do this. And it really worked out for us because that book, um, sold at auction about six months later. Wow. And then you could buy a new computer. Actually, um, I'll give her credit. My mother-in-law who demanded I wrote, write a book, uh, bought me a little netbook for Christmas that year. So I was able after Christmas, after I'd finished that first draft to put it all on this tiny little purple netbook that was a flimsy little thing that always had to be connected to the internet and (laughs) go out and as long as it had internet at Barnes and Noble or Starbucks or wherever, I could go right there. Um, Tell your husband that I'm in love with him and after this episode... (laughs) airs there he's gonna have so many women that are in love with him because that i mean I, I teared up a little what a wonderful story i not only that but so he is always my first reader of all of my books he's read all of my romance novels um when he i was so nervous uh i had some critique partners that were reading as i wrote that first book but I printed it off and I gave it to him when I felt like it was kind of complete and he's a tremendous reader and he loves to read books. And I thought, well, you know, if if he likes it, maybe I stand a chance and he just read and read and read and I was just taking care of kids and he kept like coming back into the house or, you know, cause he'd go sit on the porch and read to get away from the toddler. And I'd say, you know, you don't have to keep reading. He's like, no, no, I'm at a good part. And, um, I'll never forget when he came in and he finished and he's like, Hey, do you want to go, you want to go grab a coffee? And we piled the kids into our Toyota Previa. I need you. I needed to paint a word picture of this Toyota Previa. It cost us $700 and one of the doors didn't open. So someone had to climb inside and open it from the inside. So we piled our children into this and we went up to Starbucks because we could get free coffee because he worked for them. And he was just like, I can't believe you wrote that. I just, I can't, like, he was just flabbergasted. He's like, you know, I wanted it to be good because I've been supporting you and I wanted to be able to be honest with you. And I was nervous about it, but oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, I might actually be able to do this. If he thinks it's good, it must be decent. So he is kind of my white knight. That's incredible. I love that story. My husband doesn't read anything I write. (laughs) That seems like that, you know, that's much, much more the norm. I have a lot of, you know, a lot of friends over the years who um, it's definitely the majority of the husbands not reading and mine just doesn't, you know, he, he loves it. He actually does one of my rounds of proofreading for me because that's what his degree is in um, journalism and copy editing. So it's useful for me. Because when I have to like send off a sample chapter or something, I'm like, look over this really fast. But um, I'm just, I guess I'm really fortunate in that way. He doesn't care 
what I've written. He's like, I'm going to enjoy it. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Mine's super supportive. My husband's super supportive too, if he listens to this, but um, you know, it's just not his bag. And, <laughs> and it's like, okay. I, and that means a lot too, that he can be super supportive and like, Go do what you need to do. Go write what you need to write. And I don't right. And I think I'm just with Josh. It's just that he um, he loves to read. Right. I think that that's really the key. A lot of guys don't read. And um, we met back in high school. And one of the things that brought us together was our sort of shared love of reading and nerdy things like Star Wars. So, you know, it just makes sense for him. Like... It- it's his drug and I manufacture it. <laughs> so it works out. It's very healthy. <laughs> and I hope you like coffee if he's if he's a barista. I do love coffee. Yeah, yeah. And we have a fancy schmancy machine downstairs after our um I was gonna say our last trip to Europe, and I was like, no, we've been to Europe since then. Um <laughs> I love international publishing. Um we were in Prague two years ago and they were bringing out another cappuccino because when you're in Europe, you're just like, bring me another cappuccino, bring me another cappuccino. I looked at him and I said, you can finally get the coffee machine. I, I need these at home. So I love it. And he supplies me with the coffee and I supply him with the books. It works out. It's the most romantic story ever. Ever. That's the right, there. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? There's no tension and no plot. <laughs> Here's your porn, ladies. <laughs> so pornographic. Um, my sister's boyfriend is Dutch. And so when he came to visit, when they came to visit, la- they, they live abroad as well. And when they came to visit last summer, um, he was very not... Uh, he did not approve of my drip coffee maker that I had in the house. So <laughs> soon enough, because it's just me. Actually, my husband doesn't drink coffee. So I'm like, hey, I just need a pot of something brown in the morning. I don't care. <laughs> and um, so my sister, I think he tried it one day. And then my sister was like, yeah, we're going to need to go to Starbucks and get some <laughs> get some stuff for him. But um, yeah, it's, it's different. Um, what... You, you, you write mainly romance. Um, what other genre, if, 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 if there was another genre you could write, what, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Well, actually, um, uh, that, I mean, that's, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I was saying, you know, I'm at that crossroads point in my career where I, and I feel like I come to these all the time where you finished one series and it's taken up the majority of your life and your thoughts for, a couple of years and then you think well what am I going to do next and I've written mostly romance novels and every book I ever write will have some type of romance in it because I like romance and kissing and I think it's a primary source of tension and one of the biggest parts of being human right um but definitely I'm working on things that are a little outside of the romance genre and maybe skew towards other genres. Um, my first book series was a science fiction dystopian. So, you know, I just want to write whatever story is kind of moving me at that moment. Um, and that's really, that's really tricky in terms of, you know, 
everyone talks so much about branding and being a branded author and having um, a similar voice and readers knowing what they're getting into. And I feel like I just constantly, my, my poor agent, our poor agent is like, Oh my God, what is she doing now? Like, she's like, I've never, she's like, I've never had another author whose books like you can pick up a different book and it sounds completely different than everything they've ever written. So it's nice and it's freeing, but at the same time, it does make it a little tricky to market that kind of thing. Um, so definitely I kind of want to write everything. I have a fantasy I want to write. I have a thriller I want to write. I have, you know, paranormal and contemporary and who knows exactly. I've kind of, I've been dabbling for the last year on a bunch of different projects, trying to feel out what direction I wanted to go in. So I need to actually kind of choose a path. <laughs> And the market has changed so much in the last five years that I've been involved in it. I mean, the advice literally that I got probably four or five years ago was you need to have more than one genre because, you know, blah, 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 blah. So that's actually one reason why I started writing a mystery book. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll pick a different genre. And I swear, not six months go by and all the advice was you need to stick to one genre. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, I think that the thing to keep in mind is that, and it's, it's always easier to tell yourself than to actually um, sort of live the advice, is that, yes, it can be beneficial to be in the same sort of genre and wheelhouse and to keep building that brand. Um, but one, that can cause burnout. I know a lot of people that are trying to write the same the same kind of book over and over again. And after a while, you're like, I don't know what I can do with this, like that I haven't already done. And that's hard as a writer and for your creative life. So I've kind of taken a step back and uh, really said, wait a minute, there are plenty of authors that are not writing just in one genre and successful ones at that, you know, Nora Roberts and Stephen King. There are people out there that are writing across genres and I know those are like the huge big success stories but I always tend to look at that and be like if they can do it then that means it's possible so I think you kind of have to do what you want to do like don't feel like if all you want to do is write cozy mysteries with uh, recipes inside and you're happy and that is going to do what you want for the rest of your life creative creatively that's not a word <laughs> creatively um then i think you should just go with that and not care at all when someone goes but you know what's selling is psychological thrillers well you know what if your heart's not in it then that's just that's just terrible for your career as a whole i think when you try to write something that you're not interested in that's when you get into trouble right i mean Nora Roberts has been a huge inspiration to me because of that, because she has mystery series, she has contemporary romance, she has romantic suspense, she has the paranoras, and yes, we all can't be Nora, I get that, but I think it does show how one person can have a voice that you know, goes across genres, and some people will never pick up one of a J.D. Robb book, or some people will never pick up a romantic right. suspense book, but she has to probably I think she has said she has to keep switching back and forth so she doesn't get bored and I think even her latest right. book is something really outside the box for her I haven't read it yet 
for some of us, it is that way. And then for some people, they, it's just the nuances. They love, you know, they don't mind working in the same genre because the nuance of the characters or the setting or the storyline changes everything for them. Whereas I'm like, whoa, I'm completely distracted right now by this shiny thing and I want to go see what it does. So you just kind of have to follow your bliss, if you will. Find your joy and go that way. When I ask other authors this kind of similar question, I always make a joke that, oh, oh, your agent or editor is going to get really mad at me right now. But like, like you alluded <laughs> to, we have the same agent and uh, I don't think she'll be mad. I know she'll be listening. <laughs> and she is very supportive. So anyone who thinks that we're just boxed in by these uh, traditional publishing behemoths, I don't think that's it at all. I think they want us to keep creating things that only Geneva Lee can create. Right. Oh, no, she's wonderful and supportive. And she has all of the conversations with me. She's my second agent. Um, she really it, she really understands being that hybrid author and having relationships with traditional publishers and doing things on your own um, when you decide to self-publish some things. And so being able to strategize kind of, well, these are the things I'm thinking about doing without the pressure of, but I need you to write this kind of book immediately. So that's, that's really, really nice to have that kind of support and that, um, she's like a great cheerleader in the sense that she's not overly perky. Cause sometimes I don't buy overly perky people that are like, everything you do is art. Um, like, no, it's not. Some of it's crap. Trust me. Well, I don't know how you have time to read with all this um, bookstoring and um, coffee drinking and international travel. Um, how do you how do you fit in reading? Um, in fits and spurts, if I'm being honest with you, uh, you know I have I have a lot of writer friends who make time to read each day, and I wish I could say that I do. Um, I mean, obviously, I read something every day, whether it's an article or you know I tend to keep up with some blogs and some sites. Um, personally, I think that reading about your art form, um, is really useful in terms of thinking about why you're writing, what you're doing. And, you know, for, I always glean a little something when I hear another writer talking about their techniques or methods that they use. So I do little things like that every day, but in terms of actually sitting down and reading, my problem is that one, it's not always easy to find the book that suits my mood or that really grabs me. But when I do, I will not put it down. So I can't be like, oh, I'm going to pick up a new, I'm going to pick up a book every day because I won't do anything else. I'll just read all day long. And that's fine every once in a while. Like I just spent most of a week reading an entire book series uh, last week. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, children want to eat and people want contracts signed and I need to write words. So it's just better for me if I kind of let myself have a couple days, you know, and where I just read, 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 read. And then for a couple of weeks, I won't do as much of that. And I tend to, when I am reading something during that time, often I'll read some like nonfiction. So a history book or a psychology book or something like that where I can just read a few pages and then feel like 
oh, I could put this down because I don't need to know what happened to, you know, the half sister that disappeared when she was 11. That was not actually in a book that just, <laughs> but you know, like that kind of thing where you're like, I can't stop reading this right now. I must know what happened. Like nonfiction does not quite have that same pull. Um, so that's more of my like everyday speed reading. And then I just read in binges and then don't for a long period of time. So what have you been reading or recommending lately? Or is there something you always recommend when people ask you for special Geneva Lee recommendations? It's so funny because um, I feel like whenever I recommend something, people kind of look at me like, this is not what I expect you to say. Um, my current like favorite book series is the All Souls trilogy, which is by Deborah Harkness. It starts with The Discovery of Witches. And it's this, it, it would, I mean, if we're going to get down to the brass tacks of it, it's uh, paranormal romance. It just got a lot more publishing love and it was written by an academic. So there's a lot of descriptions of dusty old books and libraries. And that really works for me as someone who used to be an academic. Um, but I love that series. And then um, I just finished last week, I was reading um, Sarah J. Moss's uh, A Court of Thorn Thorns and Roses series, which is actually um, fairies. Which, and I've never read a fairy book before. Like I tend to be one of those people, I pick up a book and I'm like kind of paging through it. I'm like, fairies, not interested. I don't know why in my head, like, Fairies can't be sexy, and I have a prejudice against fairies. I'm sorry, fairies. But um, I love Sarah. <laughs> I'm the, I know, I know, right? They're going to come after me. Um, it just, Faye never really worked for me. I don't know why. Uh, and I picked this up kind of on a whim because I'd had it forever and started reading it and just got completely sucked in and I've completely reversed my position on fairies so I read all three of those books I couldn't stop reading them I was actually I actually started reading it because I had a little bit of a stomach flu and so I'm, I was sending other people to the store I'm like I just finished this one I need you to go get the other two so <laughs> I loved those books so you never know once again it was the right mood and the right time Picked up the right book. No, I always read more. Um, my reading always skewed more towards fantasy and science fiction when I was younger. Uh, I discovered romance much, much later. Although there was this book that all my friends and I passed around. I have no idea what it's called. Um, maybe someone listening to this will be like, I know that book. Uh, that was about a woman who gets I don't even know why she's there um gets taken to the house of of a vampire and his like vampire wife and it was very sexual and with graphic scenes of you basically like become a vampire by having sex with a vampire in these books and we all passed them around because I mean there were some gay scenes in there and there were you know there was a lot of of sex in those books so naturally we're all like, you've got to read this. You've got to read this. You've got to read this. So that was probably one of my first traditional like romance novel type things that I read. And then I read some B.C. Andrews, um, which I think kind of fall under the 
the romance umbrella, but it wasn't until um, I was older that I really started getting into romance novels and reading them. But, you know, I, I was a during that period of time before um, YA had really taken off. I'm just a little bit older. And so in high school, it was still very much like you're supposed to read Great Expectations and Of Mice and Men. And there just wasn't, there was a kind of gap in what was offered to teenagers to read. And you're so busy. I just didn't read a lot in high school. And um, it wasn't until college that I really got back to reading more for pleasure. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like with that vampire book, it might have been something Anne Rice or Anne Rice inspired. It was not Anne Rice. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't even say Anne Rice inspired because uh, I've, I've read several of her books over the years. Like, I don't know what that was. I just, I, there's one scene playing very graphically in my head oh, at the no. moment. Um, <laughs> but I don't know where we found it. I don't know who, it must have been somebody's mother. I don't that book was amazing. <laughs> so, who knows? And now there's these eleven-year-old girls in Germany who are doing that with your books, and <laughs> <laughs> learning all about the birds and the bees from Geneva. It's, it's about princesses and princes, Mom. It's totally fine. <laughs> Well, that's what I said. I was like, when I first saw my covers in Germany, um, my exact reaction was, this looks like a young adult book. They're not going to try to sell it to teenagers, are they? Um, and they were like, no, they're just considering it like more new adult, which is it's actually still a thing in Europe. New adult actually kind of took hold. They like that term. And so I kept thinking, that's not new adult. Like, the royal saga is erotic romance i mean it's the very definition of erotic romance you really can't get around that so it's definitely interesting <laughs> to see who's reading it and you know go them I we shouldn't would... be so scared of sex no no we shouldn't and actually we could probably spend like another hour talking about sex positivity and the differences between all the cultures that you see as a multinationally best-selling <laughs> romance author but um i'm afraid we're gonna have to head into the lightning round are you prepared for the lightning round all right well i think i have faith in you i think you can do this um dark or milk chocolate milk coffee or tea that just depends on the mood <laughs> i'm bisexual in that regard <laughs> or who's serving you <laughs> <laughs> or who's serving me yeah when your phone rings, do you answer it? No. <gasps> I'm terrible. I never answer my phone. Ask anyone. How do you usually waste time on the internet? Oh, shopping. I'm a shopaholic. It's kind of terrible and I need to stop. Uh, but yeah, depends on I what waste you're a lot of time shopping. <laughs> I buy everything. That's the problem. Because everything is now available on the internet. Furniture, makeup, clothing, shoes, food. I can buy anything that suits my fancy in that particular moment. And I can always find something that I want. But sometimes it's really awesome because like, oh, the guinea pig has run out of food. And I don't want to go to the pet store. Let me, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let me get that from Prime or Windex, which we are always running out of at my house. 
And I'm finally like, I'm putting it on auto order. Like, there's going to be... Because <laughs> I cannot deal with this anymore. Well, we're, of course, right outside Seattle. So Amazon is like, I bet I can just get them to deliver that tomorrow. <laughs> I bet you could. I don't have to go anywhere. Most of the time, yes. Most of the time I can get anything off Amazon delivered in a day, which I have a lot of Amazon boxes in my recycling right now. On your next vacation, will it be to the mountains or the beach? Beach. I live near the mountains. On a romance cover, do you prefer abs, forearms, or a chiseled jaw? Oh, abs or a chiseled jaw? Um, my husband is in the room. Abs, okay. I love him, but he's got a little dad bod going on, so that's not something <gasps> that I'm getting at home. <laughs> books, books sell fantasies. There's nothing wrong with that. I know, I know. You know, half the time you're like, did they just did they put extra abs on that model? Did they like Photoshop some in? How is that possible? I think they did. Vampires have extra abs. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of extra, you know, human blood, and there they come. <laughs> and the very important last question: What are your feelings about turning to the last page of a book first? I don't understand people that do that. That is just weird. And I've heard people say like, what if I die before I finish it? Well, first of all, I just told you that I devour books and I read very fast. So if I love a book, then I can read it in like a couple hours tops. But I just, why? Why would you, I, why? Sometimes I turn into the back to look for something else, like a picture of the author or, you know, I'll read the acknowledgments sometimes first. Um, and I'm always nervous that I'll accidentally see something I'm not supposed to see. I just, I don't know. That is not how the author intended it. You're not allowed to do that. We don't want you to read the last page first. That is weird. You have to earn that last line, okay? <laughs> we worked for that. Thank you for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. And if you want to share your love of a book with the world, you can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment. Or, this is the fun part, I have an actual phone number in our show notes. Call, leave a message about a book that you loved and you want the world to know about, and I will try to play your voicemail on the air so that you can be a part of this podcast, which, after all, is all about reading and readers. This is Lindsay Emery on Women With Books. Keep reading.